0: This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 81 of the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I'm talking to an absolute indie titan – Orna Ross. She is also the director and founder of the Alliance of Independent Authors, an inspirational poet, and a general, like, legend, I would say. (laughs) Um, She's also a dear friend, and uh, obviously, because uh, she founded Ally. I also uh, do some freelance work with her um, for the Alliance of Independent Authors. So it was an absolute pleasure to have her on the show today. And we talk about what is actually a deeply fascinating uh, topic. We're talking about creativity, what it means, what creative self-publishing means, um, how you can harness uh, the things that are most uniquely you. So yes, I'm looking forward to that conversation. But first, as always, was last week's question, which was, what's the last book you absolutely couldn't put down? So we have Val Neil who said Wild Seed and I absolutely loved Wild Seed. It's by um, Octavia Butler and I had the very distinct pleasure of Tango Jordan pestering me to read this book for a really long time. So much so he went to great lengths uh, to get me to read this book and actually between him and Julie, um, they sent me a copy all the way from America because it was out of print for like 18 months in the UK I think it's because they were updating the branding or, or something uh, as now I see new covers on the rest of that series but it was fantastic Hello Kitty um, So yes, I highly recommend uh, other people reading that book as well uh, and if you haven't read the fifth season Broken Earth trilogy uh, that sort of gives me echoes of Octavia Butler but sort of modern and that's N.K. Jemison. so yeah, fantastic both written by women of colour as well Uh, Okay, Jeff and Dharma both said, uh, like, fantastic episode, brilliant episode, thank you very much. Uh, Dharma says, last book I couldn't put down is Robin Giggles' uh, debut legal thriller By Way of Sorrow. Uh, Shelley Sarah says, great writing tips, I'm starting House of Hollow now, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, C.J. Dainton said uh, the last book I couldn't put down was House of Leaves by Mark Z. Danielowski. Um, I actually own, oh my God, I'm gonna kill my cat. (laughs) I actually own uh, a copy of House of Leaves and it is the most bizarre book I have ever purchased. Like the whole formatting, I don't quite know how to attempt reading it. Uh, So maybe C.J., if you have any tips, you can let me know because it is, it's like... if you've never looked, if you have never looked inside this book, I highly recommend that you go to a bookstore when they're open and, and have a look inside because it is bonkers. Anyway, moving on. Scott Kavanagh says, um, fantastic episode, spectacular fangirling from you, Sasha Black. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I definitely fangirled last time. Uh, he says the books, he can't pick one. So House in the Cerulean Sea, a warm hug of a book. I could not agree more. I adore, adored house in the cerulean sea Um, and then number two he says bartimaeus the amulet of samarkand i think middle grade with a a snarky character loved the voice in this and then kings of the wild epic fantasy where a group of mercenaries get back together written as if they are jaded a jaded rock band Uh, the idea and writing is hilarious that actually does sound hilarious Um, And then Michael Nasberg says, Blake Crouch's sublime sci-fi thriller, Dark Matter. Um, I had to know what was going to happen next and couldn't do anything else until I finished it. So I have a copy of Dark Matter and then uh, the sequel, which is called recursion um sorry I had to look at my bookcase to work out what it was called I <laughs> couldn't remember um anyway and uh yeah both of those are high on my list even though thrillers aren't really my genre I don't really tend to read thrillers but occasionally I can be tempted out and um I love the uh what's the word the blurb and uh, quite a few people have recommended it to me so yeah I'm going to be reading it at some point um just for curiosity's sake and because hey it's always good to read outside your genre so yes, uh, this week's question, inspired by Orna, is what is your measure of success? I, I don't know if I've asked this question before. Um, but hey, if I have, oh, well, you can all answer it again, because we are possibly a year further on. And uh, yeah, so sometimes our success measures change. All right. My book recommendation of the week this week comes with caveats. So, uh, the book is called The Liar's Daughter by Megan Cooley-Peterson. It is, there are many trigger warnings. Um, I, I don't, I haven't found a list of trigger warnings. Um, so I can only, I guess, uh, like attempt to give you some, I am worried I'm going to forget some, um, But essentially, this, this book is written about a girl who's brought up in a cult and doesn't realise she's brought up in a cult, and sort of her journey. And so obviously, I would say, you know, if you have any triggers around um, cults, or abuse, like mental health, um, then perhaps this is not the book for you. It was harrowing, I have to say, but I could not put the book down. And I read it in one day, uh, mostly in one sitting. <laughs> I just had to know. Um, yeah, so I mean, I guess I I have kind of answered the the question of the week last week as well, which the last book I couldn't put down was the Liar's Daughter by Megan Cooley Peterson. But yes, if you do have like any triggers around there, then please don't. Um, read it because I don't want it to um you know impact you in any way but otherwise highly recommend it and um in in finding that book I have found another book and ordered another book um which is about cults and I don't quite know why I I've um like (laughs) Decided to read books about this. I'm not going to write a story about this, but I suppose sometimes we just fall down the, the rabbit hole, don't we? Um, but anyway, in finding this book, I found a comment in uh, Goodreads reviews that said, If you liked this book, you'll like After the Fire by Will Hill, uh, which was actually an award winning young adult book. Oh, yeah, that's probably the other thing I should say. This is a young adult uh, book so yeah i i've ordered after the fire uh, just because i was so deeply hooked and fascinated by i suppose the psychology behind um it that yeah so i am now going to read that when that turns up so anyway you've got an extra cheeky bonus book recommendation for you All right, in personal update, as always, I am gonna mention it every single week now. Um, If you haven't already uh, submitted your story to the Rebel Author Diaries anthologies, anthology, singular, um, then now is the time uh, to submit it. The submission deadline is the 30th of June. Um, Yes, I am thinking about running some writing sprints uh, to encourage you all to write your short stories in the sprints. So if you're interested in that, then come and join my Facebook group, Rebel Authors, because I will run them from the Rebel Author Facebook group. So yes, I'm going to have a think about when I might do that. Probably a weekend afternoon, I think, at some point. We'll see. We'll see. It depends what we're doing uh, with the firm alarm. Um, So yes, okay. And in other personal news... (laughs) So, my taekwondo class went back for the first time last weekend and uh, it was all outside. So, we were training outside and the class was wonderful. I hurt like an absolute motherfucker the next day because (laughs) I'd forgotten I hadn't trained outside in a year. And uh, of course, the Zoom classes when you're in your living room aren't quite as enthusiastic shall we say because you know if you fling yourself too hard around the living room you're going to hit a wall or a painting or your sofa or a cat or a kid so anyway I flung myself around this field and thoroughly enjoyed the lesson and then I got in the car and we got to a t-junction and I looked left that is all I did I looked left and I bust my neck so bad that I am in absolute agony. I have lost about 60% rotation, I would say in my neck. And I have booked a chiropractor appointment. But unfortunately, for me, (laughs) it's a week away, because that's the first time I could get away from work. So yeah, it is bad enough that it is affecting my sleep. Um, I'm laughing. i really I'm crying. Uh, No, I'm like, I'll be fine. I'll just Take some really strong muscle relaxants or something um and hopefully by next week uh, I will have seen the chiropractor and things will be better but yes so I'm struggling a bit I'm not quite sure how I'm going to get through the next week um but I have been working on the side characters workbook that is very close to being finished um and I have sort of fannied around the edges of starting editing uh, the side characters but I think I just wanna get the workbook done and then I will focus on editing um, the textbook. So yes, I expect to have that more than done by the end of April and in the hands of beta readers. And then I get to go back and edit my two fiction books, uh, which are waiting to be completed. So it's, it's a funny old year this year because I've sort of bulk ended a lot of the craft stuff at uh, the beginning part of the year. And then I'm going to end up with like back to back publications um, in the latter part of the year, which I don't really, it's not very good for consistent publishing <laughs> really. And that is something I have been thinking about a lot more recently, um, consistent publishing and how I can be more consistent. Um, And I don't have the answer right now. (laughs) I was like thinking, how can I give an answer to this? You don't have an answer, Sarah. Uh, Yeah, no, I don't have an answer, but it is something I'm thinking about. I know what my rough word count per month is, and I'm not happy with that. I want to increase that, which would help me to be more consistent. But yes, so that is something that is playing on my mind at the moment. If you are listening to this in real time on, when when does this air? This airs on Wednesday the 14th of April. Then this evening is going to be the very next uh, exclusive Patreon-only Poison and Prose session. So uh, if you are a patron, then make sure you come and join That. Rebel of the week this week is Bobby Ann Atwood. Bobby says, School was a very interesting time for me, but I can't say that I had a worst enemy. I did have a professor in college, though, who I never got along with, and of course, she had to teach the worst course out of the entire accounting programme taxes. Oh, yes, those little delightful beasts. I've just submitted mine, I'm waiting to find out. The damage I have to pay this year. Anyway, uh, Bobby continues to say, now I'm not bragging, but I'm a good student and I pick up on topics quickly. But doing practice examples for calculating corporate tax rates and deductions is like pulling teeth without Novocaine. But I did it and I got the questions right every time. The professor, on the other hand, got them wrong. She started the semester off by saying if we caught her making a mistake during class, then we would get five points towards the next test. So obviously, we were all jazzed about this. Another student and I were the bosses of the class. We were the ones ones that other students came to for help. So we were also the ones everyone turned to look at when they noticed the professor getting something wrong, which she did a lot and she noticed everyone turned to us for a ruling on her work a lot I was tactful about it and would just ask her to show us the calculations from the book maybe the book did it differently and by differently I meant correctly however my co-boss Ross was not so forgiving and would bluntly tell her she screwed up she got so fed up with us that she asked me to meet her before class one day in the hallway. I agreed, thinking we could have a civil conversation. Nope. She immediately started in on me, probably thinking because I was the quiet one that I would be cowed by her, and told me that it was her class and her rules, and I needed to get myself and Ross under control. Big mistake. I'm quiet, but I am not a pushover. Still, I didn't raise my voice. I calmly told her, no, this is a tax class and the IRS makes the rules. And if you disagree, I'm sure Lisa, the department head who I was close to since I was the student tutor for the department, would love to assist us in reaching an understanding. She sputtered and stomped off to the classroom where the other students were hanging out to the door, waiting to see what was happening. I gave them the biggest shit-eating grin I had as I walked to the classroom behind her. I love this story. I love a story. I love a story when like somebody is so egotistical that they cannot abide like having anybody else tell them that they're right like for goodness sake uh yes so I thought this was fantastic um and yeah thank you for giving me a giggle and a smile this morning also over taxes like who'd have thought I could have a giggle over taxes if you would like to be a rebel of the week, please do send in your story, and please do, because we are once again getting low on stories. It can be any kind of rebellion, big, small, or somewhere in between. You can email your rebel story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or Instagram me at Sasha Black Author. One new patron this week, welcome to Lynn Wham, who literally has the coolest name ever, but of course uh, a ginormous thank you to all of my existing patrons and of course I have mentioned if you're listening in real time then this evening is the next uh, exclusive Poison and Prose session. If you would like to support this show and get early access to all of the episodes as well as joining me in person on Zoom for things like Poison and Prose, then you can do so from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. All right. This week's episode is sponsored by Pro Writing Aid. Pro Writing, I have actually been using Pro Writing Aid this week as well uh, to check my uh, side characters book, and as always, it is fantastic. Pro Writing Aid, if you haven't come across it, is an editing software that is amazing. I use it personally as both my last line of defense and as like a style checker, grammar checker, and in a way it's a bit of a writing mentor as well, like a, a digital one shall we say. And I always use it either before I send my book to my beta readers or before I send it to my editor. Pro Writing Aid is about more than just finding grammar mistakes, though. It helps you to learn good writing techniques. It has 20 different writing reports that make suggestions and then offer detailed explanations. They also have videos and even quizzes to help you un- understand the reasoning behind the suggestions. Writing can be grammatically perfect, but still feel awkward and clumsy. ProWritingAid searches out elements like repetitiveness, vague wording, sentence length variation, over-dependence on adverbs, echoes, passive voice, over-complicated sentence constructions, and so much more. Of course, ProWritingAid will never replace a human editor. Rather, it helps you to self-edit to a deeper level so that when you do then send your manuscript off to an editor, they will be able to focus on the meat of your writing and not spend their time fixing basic writing issues. I love ProWritingAid. There is a discount code in... um, the show notes and links to all of their socials and also where you can um, like get a trial of pro writing aid. So I do recommend that you go and have a look. All right, let's get on with the interview. Hello and welcome to the Revel Author Podcast. I am super excited today because I am joined by friend, mentor, colleague, and general extraordinaire Orna Ross. Orna writes and publishes historical fiction and inspirational poetry. And she is also the founder and director of the Alliance of Independent Authors, hello. Hello,
1: I don't think it's all that exciting because we speak to each other practically
0: every day. (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) No, that's exactly why it's exciting because I finally, finally dragged you onto the podcast, even though I've been threatening you in it for like months. So before we dive into the questions then, would you like to tell everyone a bit about your journey? Like how did you get to where you are today?
1: Yeah, um, well... I often feel that everything that happened in my life brought me here to you know being director of Ally and writing and publishing my own stuff so I did English Lit at school and um, that was a, a little battle I had to have a you know rebel is the theme of your podcast and we'll be talking uh, later on about some other rebel moments but I had to kind of I come from a family of accountants and insurance people and business owners and being a writer was something that you know and being interested in English lit and you know writing poems and reciting poems at the dinner table and stuff like that I was always quite different to the rest of the family so I had to have a little battle with my parents to actually even be allowed in inverted commas to to do English Lit and then I did that and um, I taught for a while didn't get on too well and in Ireland with teaching because it was very tied up with nuns and priests and things and I drifted off and did all sorts of other things so I had lots and lots of different jobs but I settled into freelance journalism in my late 20s and loved that and got a fantastic skill which was you know deliver 1200 words about any topic and by tomorrow and that's been that served me really really well but always I wanted to write and fiction And so I um, finally started to do that uh, as I came up to my 40th birthday, realizing, oh my God, I've been talking about writing this book forever, but I haven't actually done it. And um, if I don't do it now, I probably never will. So I settled into that, had a pretty tough time getting it published because i don't know why but i was determined not to call on any of my media colleagues or whatever and let the book find its own way and that took forever 54 rejections before i got number 55 was the acceptance and i thought that was it i had arrived it was a nice two book deal from penguin all felt great Um, but it didn't work out that way and we had creative differences so I was kind of reconsidering my options when self-publishing came along I tried it very hesitantly didn't think it would be for me and turned out (laughs) and now look (laughs) and now look (laughs) and I was so taken with it that I realized you know I looked for an association to join but it wasn't one And then I thought, well, there really should be one and really it should look like this. And so, yeah, off we went from there.
0: Amazing. I love that. I love that you were so hesitant about indie publishing and now you're like (laughs) representing indie publishers everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's hilarious. Um, So we're here to talk about your new book, about creative self-publishing. So before we dive into like the the concepts and what creative self-publishing is, can you talk to me about creativity? Like what does creativity mean and feel like to you? Yeah, I mean,
1: it's one of those words where there are a thousand definitions and it means very different things to, to different people. And you could be having a conversation about creativity and actually be talking past each other because you mean two completely different things. For me, it's a mode. It's, it's not a talent, it's not a skill, it's not a, it is a way of a being, it's a way of approaching a question or a problem or a challenge or a task. Uh, so it's a mind mode and when it's applied, you know, regularly and becomes a habit, it becomes a mindset. So um, that's what it is to me, it's just a way of doing things that is more open, more questioning exploratory, experimental than we tend to be in our in our more everyday um, way of being. So you can see it in the brain. Neuroscience has helped us to understand creativity much better than we did um, up to, say, 20 years ago. The fact that we can actually see the brain in its different modes and see it responding differently, depending on whether it is in creative or conventional mode, is really interesting, and you know, we can see certain hormones and neurotransmitters in action in a way that we couldn't before. And so we understand creativity a lot better now than we used to. We used to have all these subjective, anecdotal kind of explanations of what it is, and that now we have a much clearer idea, and we know that everybody is creative, and everybody is slipping in and out of this mind state all the time though we're not very conscious of it because it happens in flickers. It's it's kind of a moment and it's gone unless we become conscious of it, in which case we can begin to sustain
0: it. I, I don't want to put creativity on a pedestal, but I, I definitely have put creativity on a pedestal. For me, it feels like the absolute height of humanity because we are taking, like nothing and creating something out of it and it's it's like when you think about it in that way it's almost a fundamental impossibility this thing that we do to create um and yeah so i am deeply fascinated by creativity and how yeah i mean i say it's nothing it's something out of nothing and of course it is a product of everything that we have like taken in and experienced and felt and and thought across the years but i still find it's so deeply, I don't know, like I just can't, can't like get it in my brain because how, how do we do it? How, how does something come from, from the mangled mess of nothing that is in, in our brains? It's just fascinating to me. So let's think about creativity in terms of business then. Like what do you actually mean by creative self-publishing? What is a creative business?
1: Yes, so because for me it's it's a mind mode and a way of approaching things, then that's very much what the the theme of this book is. And you see in authors all the time where they are extremely creative and open in when it comes to their writing, and they just automatically approach their writing with that mind state in place. But the moment you say business, everything closes down and everything goes into conventional mode so the idea um, behind this book is take your lovely creative self your creative talent your creative capacity and bring it to the act of publishing and bring it to the act of running your creative business so that your your books and your business are every bit as reflective of you and your values your passions your mission in life your you know your desire for influence and impact on the world all of that becomes integrated into your creative mission and into your way of doing things so yeah that's
0: that's basically the premise of the book so do you have an example of how one would put them their creative self into business like what does that look like in practice
1: one of the things that comes up most often for for authors is marketing. Say so, authors will say, "I hate marketing. I love writing. I hate marketing." And I think that's a, a really good example, actually. Marketing is writing, first of all, um, and you probably hate it because you are thinking about it in a very set, conventional sort of way, what marketing, you know, what you think marketing is, what you've seen other marketers do. When you make it personal, when you start to give yourself permission to approach it in a creative way... When you connect it to the creative impulses that you brought to your writing in the first place, then it it just opens up completely and you find yourself able to do things and excited about doing things and able to put great creative energy behind this thing that you thought you hated. You don't hate it at all. You just hate the concept you've set up in your mind.
0: Have you you gone on this journey yourself, like from totally
1: (laughs) how did you guess (laughs) i completely understand how people feel because as i said i grew up in this family that's very you know my parents owned a pub and um, my father worked in insurance and my brothers all went into you know accounting and, and insurance as i said so business for me was almost like um everything that i had rebelled against it was everything that i wasn't and so it took me a long time to come around and it's one of the reasons i was hesitant about self-publishing in the first place because i thought i can't do all that marketing stuff i can't do business you know I need help and you know what I'm like when it comes to practical matters and and uh, you know I'm just not by nature I am not somebody who's highly organized I'm not I'm not a natural marketer all of those things I thought like I can't do them and I guess it was because the only way that I could make it make sense for me was to approach it in this creative way But it's not just me, you know, talking about my own thing. I have actually worked with many writers and other creatives um, over the years in terms of applying this. And it's a life skill. It's not Mm -hmm. just actually even about business. It's about everything. We always have the option to approach things in a more creative way. And when we do, we open things up. It applies in relationships. It it applies, you know, with regard to money. It really applies everywhere.
0: So what things do you do differently now that you didn't used to do? I guess, as I said, the main thing
1: is the approach. So giving myself permission and always asking myself the question, if I was to approach this more creatively, what would happen? If I stopped saying such and such a thing to myself, you know, what would the outcome be? So when I catch myself, it's, it's a practice, you know? So you catch yourself saying things that are like beliefs. They're set in stone in your head, but actually you just made them up really. They don't have any reality. So I think that's the primary thing. It's, it's about questioning the things that you're saying to yourself, is that true? What would happen if I actually didn't believe it to be true? You know, do I get a better outcome? Does this serve me well? So I think that's the primary, primary thing. The second thing I did when I started getting, you know, get applying, and this is something it's ongoing. You know, it never stops. That's the nature of creativity. There's always the next level. There's always the next layer, and you know you're constantly finding oh my gosh you know I've been I've been limiting myself here by thinking such and such a thing you know that just goes on and on it's not like you tick the creativity box and off you go forever but um Yeah, one of some of the kind of practical things that I did, you know, I stopped thinking about social media as something that was all about the person who was consuming it and thought about it much more in terms of how I wanted to use it to get to achieve some of my own creative ends. Mm. And that would be one simple example. But yeah, it just turns up all the time.
0: I think that's a really good example because lots of people are told to think about social media from the perspective of the uh, consumer of that, of whatever it is that you're posting. So I think that's fascinating. I think the big one for me was removing the fear around saying buy my book. Now, of course, I don't say those particular words "buy my book, um, but I allowed myself to be creative in how I say it. So instead of saying, you know, buy my book, I share content from the book or I'll share quotes or I'll share reviews or I'll, you know, I'll explain how I wrote the book. And in sharing these things, it is all saying buy my book, but without having to say those words that make me shudder, <laughs> which is buy my book. So yeah, I think that's probably the biggest difference that I have gone through. I came into... um <clears throat> indie publishing thinking I was going to have to say that horrible phrase um, because I didn't know any better when I first started and I didn't know how you market marketed a book. So yeah, I would say that's probably the biggest like change for me. So in your book, you talk about being able to spot when a person goes indie. And you also use one of my favourite ever Shakespeare quotes, which is, uh, well, you you kind of bastardise it. So you say some authors are born independent, some choose independence and some have independence thrust upon them. So, I guess my question is what are the biggest differences like between authors under each of these guises?
1: Yeah, so I think the born indies are, are the lucky ones, um, you know, people who just know it straight off. I think you're one of those, right?
0: Yeah, yeah <laughs> I did not like, I haven't ever queried at all so like I, yeah. I started listening to the likes of Joanna and all of that lot and was like oh I can do this myself and then that was it fuck traditional off I went. <laughs> yeah and I think there's
1: a generational thing here so I see this a lot more in younger in younger writers and particularly those who've grown up say on Wattpad and sites like that where they've been sharing their you know instead of being like me and pouring it into notebooks and, and, you know, fighting their families when they're in their teens and hiding their stuff. They get used to sharing their stuff from the get go. And so it is the most natural thing in the world then for them to to start putting some of what they've already shared into a book and you know they've already done their marketing not that they thought about it as marketing but they've built up their readership and, and you know they're off they're born that's easy and then there are people like me who having tried it a bit and um, actually choose it and realize yeah this there's a lot more to this than meets the eye uh, I can see that this changes everything I no longer want to go the route where I exclusively give all my rights to um, a publisher um, to one person I want to actually retain my intellectual property and build the value myself over time I choose it and um, you know that's it's uh, a middle way if you like and then you get the people who are very wedded to the trade publishing agreement they want the validation they want somebody else to you know approve and give them that permission or maybe just you know they they just opt for all sorts of reasons but they can't get it and so they come to self-publishing reluctantly and um yeah they've the hardest time i think because it's very difficult to get creative if you ultimately you want a different outcome and your definition of success is somebody else taking you on, then it's, it's quite difficult to develop the independence of mind that you need and the, you know, the, the autonomy and the self-validation that you need in order to do the job.
0: I find this so interesting and this is a complete tangent. <laughs> Fuck it, it's my podcast, I'm gonna do it anyway. So that <laughs> quote, I love that quote so much. It's actually started a story for me. So I'm I'm doing uh, the rebel anthologies at the moment and uh, it's open for submissions for like characters who are rebellious, cheeky, villainous, anyway. And my story is predicated on that phrase except um, it's about three, uh, uh, three chosen sisters who uh, one was born evil, one chose evil, and one had evil thrust upon them. And, um, but the thing is like, when I ask people, oh, like who do you think would be the most evil? It's it's never the one that was born evil. They always say the one who um, chose it. But I think like, so, but when you, when you talk about like who has it easiest in terms of being indie, it was the one who was born indie that had it the easiest. So I was just like, oh, this is a complete like flip on what what I thought was, you know, that outcome. So yeah, anyway, I'm going to be pondering this for ages now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah, I know already you're making me rethink everything. Um, Okay. So let's talk about success because Mm. I think in the indie sphere, there are lots of really big indie groups and success can often get pigeonholed into certain things like, Oh, uh, 10 grand a month or 100 grand a month or x number of books sold but not everybody has a goal of x number of books or x number of pounds so how else can indie authors measure their success like what is creative measurements of of success this is such an important question
1: it really really is and uh you know i think the The thing I've noticed most the thing I know inherently from doing the job that I do is that there are thousands of ways to be an indie author and to be successful but that one or two ways are discussed most and are where the loudest voices are so there are huge huge sways of of independent authors who are just have their heads down and are getting on with their own thing and they're only known to the people who are in their niche um, and because they know that they're successful and they're doing well. Or maybe they're not even known sometimes to the people who are in their niche because they sell on their own websites or they do special sales or they, you know, so there are people doing all sorts of, and that's one of the, one of the things that I wanted to bring out in the book was that, you know, we think too much about the high-selling indie author and... I mean they're fantastic the authors who sell in these astonishing numbers you know the people who are running seven figure businesses from books these, it, it is without doubt an incredible achievement and we celebrate that to the rooftops it's fantastic but it's not the only definition of success and it will only ever probably um be that way for writers of a certain ilk, publishers of a certain ilk, you know, who are prepared to do certain things and who work in certain genre. So some of the other things that are huge, when, when people set out to be a writer, they rarely set out. I mean, there are exceptions, but they rarely set out with a purely commercial goal in mind. They want to be writers for other reasons. and. know the creative sort of um, measures of success bring that into the equation if you like so it's about balancing the commercial and the creative success i don't think it's possible to be successful unless you balance those things out and i think even the person who spends a lot of time talking about the numbers and the facts and the figures they're in writing They're, you know, they're in publishing. They could be probably, if they've got really fantastic business skills, they could probably be really cleaning up in some other area more easily. So they're going to have some of these creative things as well. So some of the things we want to do um, as creators is to influence others, to change hearts and minds, to actually make people think differently, look at things differently. Perhaps we want to inspire people to to do things that they thought they couldn't do. We want to um, educate and uh, help people to understand something that they didn't understand. We get incredible um rewards from that, you know, and hearing, I very often hear um, an author say, you know, what made my day was that review or that reader who wrote, dropped me an email and said what a difference I had made and, you know, tells them what sort of difference that is. I think also in terms of, um, and I talk a lot about this in the book as well, I think also in terms of creative rewards is our own personal happiness and enjoyment. You know, one of the things, one of the core creative principles is that it's the journey, mm. is its own reward. And it's one really it, you know, if the process is I'm as important. <laughs> 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 the process. The process is as important as the product uh, the process is the thing itself and um, so i think that is also really key and it's one of the ways we know that we've slipped out of being in creative mode is to, when we get stressed when we get get um you know stuck or when we get when we're not feeling good we're not to be in creative mode by definition feels good you're in flow time mm-hmm. is you know, you're aligned with time, you're enjoying what you're doing, you could do it forever, you've got this kind of energy that just comes um, in creative mode that isn't there when you're in in more conventional mode. I think we're a bit addicted to that very experience as creatives. We just love it. We're doing it in order to have that that experience of flow. So yeah, these are some of the the creative rewards and in the book we actually measure, try to measure that feeling just subjectively to to give it a a rating. We call creative happiness quotient and and rate it 1 to 10 because it is such a core part of, of being creative that keeping an eye on how you're feeling in that way can actually be a really good pointer as to how you're doing and sometimes we need to take some creative rest or play, step away from the work, stop being so pushy of ourselves, give ourselves a bit of space and time so we can get back into that creative power, which will always get more done in the end than you know, getting tense and closed
0: and conventional about it. I love this so much. I, I, I have so many things that I want to talk about. Um, <clears throat> That feeling is like total addiction for me. Like there, I always think there are a couple of different feelings. So there's the creative flow, which is just euphoria. And then there's what I like to term a literary O, and by O I mean orgasm, which is when you have like that bolt or that twist that just comes out of nowhere, and it's like knee bucklingly good. And yeah, so I always I always call that like a literary O. But those things are special; they they don't come around all the time. And so, like you crave the the euphoria you get from that flow state, um, definitely. Um, and yeah, and then oh, it's so true because. Oh, I just love that. The other thing um, that I wanted to talk about was that measure of success. I think I I think I have a couple of measures like the first big one is, am I free to write what I want when I want? Like, that's a really big one for me. And then the second one is how many hearts do I break and remake like that's what I want to do with my fiction I want to break hearts and remake them um and my nonfiction is slightly different you know I want to help people and, and whilst well I want to teach people whilst making them laugh but yeah I mean I don't know what are you, am I allowed to ask what your measures of success are or my own personal um
1: yeah I mean for me probably more than anything else it's staying in that place as much as I possibly can so For me, it's about, you know, the habits and practices that keep me in the right place so that I am. Time is very precious to me and spending that time wisely, not of wasting time to me the biggest waste of time is to be in a bad place you know and I know mm. things happen in life and of course we're human and we respond appropriately with anger or or sadness or something I'm not talking about that that's that's absolutely fine and that's that's as it should be that's the way we're made but I'm talking about self-induced bad feelings which a lot of creatives carry around you know punishing self-talk you know, and obviously one of the most common measures of success, and it's a really important measure, is number of words. Um, and this is what we hear people talking about all the time. How many words did did we produce today? How many words did we produce this week? Really important for us to measure these things, but they can become such horrible big sticks to beat ourselves with. And, and so, yeah, for me, the most important thing is to stay in that place where things are open and light and
0: free. And, and that's a moment by moment thing. And that's my measure. I love it. How can writers embrace and cultivate what's unique to them in order to build their like branding and creative business? Yeah.
1: Another, another kind of great question. So I, I think for First of all, it's about your values. It's about what you value most as a person and understanding your values and and getting, um, getting clear about what you value most. So we all sign up for things that are obviously valuable and things that pretty much everybody values, but we also all have a priority of values and i think knowing your top 3 or your top 7 values is a really good thing and then beginning to almost slightly exaggerate at first so that you really embrace them and being clear about clear about them and clear about your willingness to demonstrate them to be that in your books in your design in your descriptions in your marketing and your talking about your books so you've got the stories or the content that's in your book, but then you also have the stories that you're telling about your book. And the more you can bring story into that and be really comfortable with the story you're telling, the more creative the marketing will be and the more you'll enjoy it and the truer it will be and the more creative. It, it will kind of lead you on next thing you find you're doing things that you haven't consciously decided to do but you find yourself doing because you've aligned with values and because you understand what those values are and why they're important to you I think tracing it back you know when you when you kind of isolate the values that you feel are most important tracing back in your life why they are important where they kind of came up what you know what made these the values that are most important for you can be very helpful in developing your stories about, about your books and about yourself as an author, And um, which is your author persona is you writ large in some, just some aspects of you writ large, the ones you've chosen. And then after that, there's a bit of discipline, I, I think, which a lot of authors don't kind of stay with. Having found all that which can take time uh, to can take a long time actually and sometimes it's easy for people sometimes it's not easy at all and can take can take quite some time to excavate it all and get get the clarity having done that then there's a bit of discipline of staying there that becomes kind of your thing so it's like you with the rebel thing which you do so well (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know there are
1: other parts of Sasha she's not just 100% rebel but you know it's become your thing and and keeping that there and not you know not suddenly deciding you've, you've uh, it's some other values you're kind of going to go off and I see authors doing that all the time they've no sooner kind of set it up than they abandon it a little bit and so yeah I think that's important.
0: Yeah and what was what really struck me was how you talked about like and I I can't remember the exact words but what made what it made me do was question whether or not I'm literally physically putting that value into my writing so I know that I do with my nonfiction, but I'm not sure I necessarily do with my fiction so yeah that's definitely something i'm going to go away and ponder the other thing uh, the reason i asked this question is because you wrote something once a really long time ago that shook me to my core and i can't remember the exact quote but i remember it it was something along along the lines of like find the thing that is most uniquely you and then do that and do it again like and again and again and it just like you know when you you read something and it's so mind-boggling that your world sort of tilts and shifts and you never see things in the same way as you saw them before. Where well, I still remember reading that quote and being like, oh yeah, like that is what I'm supposed to be doing. So um yeah, I hope that listeners have had some of their own revelations listening. What are some of the mistakes that you see authors making, um, either with traditional or indie publishing around... Um, like contracts specifically because obviously you know uh we are both part of the alliance of independent authors and um you know we see we are seeing more and more uh, sort of issues coming up so just moving like sort of looking towards the indie uh, slash traditional what are some mistakes that you're seeing authors making with contracts well the biggest mistake is they don't read it <laughs> <laughs> um
1: you know uh signing things that haven't been properly looked over and um you know just being so pleased to have been offered something that um, there there is a sort of a reluctance to do the business-like thing which is to negotiate so most authors don't understand that when they're given a, a contract or you know they get that email in the post which is more and more common for indie authors you know this used to happen only to the high big selling you know really top of the rank um authors but now it's happening to loads of people you get an email from a rights buyer and they say i would love to publish your book and here are the terms and conditions and you know that's this is how it would be and the author is kind of very black and white in how they think about that oh no that's a terrible deal because it doesn't have ABC or um, or else, oh great, somebody has offered me this. Yes, and they rush, they rush either to reject or to sign when really the business-like thing to do, once you've looked up our ratings and found out that this is a decent publisher, um, you know, or done your, done your due diligence and done your research that you're not in the hands of somebody who's, who's a, a problem, assuming it's, it's a reasonable publisher, then the thing you must do is negotiate. They will have put in the terms that are most advantageous to them. They expect you to come along with what's most advantageous to you and to have a conversation and see, do you get to the point of a, an agreement or a deal breaker? Um, but most authors don't think about it like that. They think about it in far too black
0: and white a way. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Ally. What is Ally and why should listeners join?
1: Well, it's the alliance of independent authors. So it is what it says on the tin Um, authors from all over the world coming together to do lots of things. First of all, to to help support and educate each other. Um, But uh, Ally does a lot more than that. We also kind of keep an eye on the self publishing sector. And so there are, you know, just spoke a moment ago about rogue publishers, vanity publishers, people who are out to exploit authors. We do a lot of work and um, keeping an eye on such people. We have a watchdog desk and a partner membership for good um, services where, where we work with them and represent authors and tell them what indie authors want. And um, a ratings list, which also points up the rogue operators and, and what to look out for. Um, but I mean, I think the main reason I could go on about the various benefits and features and it's all there on our website and everybody will kind of forget in a second anyway. But I have said, I think really the main reason to join is that sense of community and solidarity, whereby we both, you know, we're helping each other. And I think the indie authors are just outstanding in that regard. Traditional publishing is a very competitive sort of arena because, you know, if you're selling through bookstores, it, the shelf is only so big and there's only room for so many. But in a digital space where we're working independently as authors, helping each other along the way is something that we just see every single day. So there's that. And there's also the sense in which we can achieve things together that we cannot achieve. Apart, So an individual author um, who is talking to, be it a self-publishing service or a trade publisher or um, any kind of gatekeeper or literary festival or um, reviewer, you know, whatever it might be, mass media, individually it's it can be difficult and a lot of these conversations happen in private and people can feel quite powerless collectively where conversations are happening um, more publicly then we have power and i think you know independent authors have power now in a way that we didn't have before and that is growing as authors come into their sense of their own their own abilities, their own, um, you know, what can be done. It's things are really changing in the author community. So I think you join to be part of that movement as well, to be part of, of something that is really extraordinary in publishing and, and unique.
0: Absolutely. And I absolutely adore ally. <laughs> like, so I think everybody should go and join. And I will, of course, leave um, links in the show notes. Well. Wow. This is the Rebel Author Podcast, so tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. Oh, gosh.
1: (laughs) <laughs> um, well, I can't remember a time that I wasn't unleashing my inner rebel. So <laughs> my first, probably, you know, as a teenager, getting kicked out of boarding school for
0: <gasps> the, <Yeah>. the wall. <laughs> didn't know you got kicked out of boarding school. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it
1: just kind of went on from there. I've always been a bit rebellious. And I mean, I was, I was going to say... And I still would say actually that what felt most rebellious for me in my life what has been this move to self-publishing. And because I was so ingrained in media and trade publishing, you know, having been, I've worked as a literary agent, I really valued what publishers brought to the process. And I still do, you know, all of those seven stages of publishing that we have to bring our books through uh, a good publisher can add tremendous value. And um, that's pertains still today but for me to kind of turn my back at all that and say no I'm going to do it all myself I'm going to do it my way I'm going to give my books the covers that they they uh, I wanted them to have when I was writing the book and the title that I kind of had in my head that was that was a hugely rebellious moment for me
0: so yeah I love it I'm still cackling about the, the boarding school though <laughs> <laughs> Okay, tell everyone where they can find out more about you and your books and anything else you'd like to add.
1: Okay, so allies alliance and authors.org and um, I as an author am on ornoras.com and yeah, um, Instagram is for my poetry. That's Ornaros Adult Poetry. And on my Facebook page, I do extracts from um, my work in progress, and, and that's Ornaros Author. That's pretty much it.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. And of course, a massive thank you to all of the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. And a massive thank you to each and every one of you listening. I'm Sasha Black, you are listening to Orna Ross, and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Due to some uh, scheduling funnies, I can't tell you who the guest is going to be next week. It's going to be one of two people, uh, just depending on whether or not I... Well, anyway... (laughs) It's going to be a surprise. Either it's going to be the planned person or it's going to be somebody different. Um, And yes, so you're going to have to join in next week to find out who it's going to be. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, I don't normally do that, but sometimes when we get exciting guests, I swap things around uh, just to coincide with launches and whatnot. So yes, join me then. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.